Hello and good day everyone. This is R Plus Sessions, episode 9. And we are here with uh, Akmal, an architect from uh, GDP Architects. Thank you, Akmal, for joining us. Thanks for inviting me, Zen. No worries, no worries. Uh, this, uh, this is part of the continuing efforts of R Plus Sessions to engage with other people, uh, architects and also other uh, creatives and other expertise on certain topics. So in episode 9, we would like to discuss on the architect's future workplace. Uh, we've had a brief discussion with Chris, another architect within GDP, uh, about his experiences within uh, offices in UK because he briefly worked there. And it was quite interesting to see uh, what he felt was uh, a good condition to work in as architects and then the type of culture that is conducive for architects to work with. I mean, as we know, architects, uh, they... They tend to have certain days where it's it's a long it's a long working day or a long working week, because uh, we are uh, subject to the production of tender drawings and other matters related to architectural production. So the theme is the way we work at the architect's future workplace. So we might talk about how an ideal workplace for an architect would be. Um, within an office that you would you would like to work within. Here we have Akmal. I'm just wondering, for you, what are some of the more interesting offices that you, you've had the chance to visit or maybe you've had, you, you, you like uh, looking at those offices, I mean, if you stumble upon them online. Yeah. Is there like a particular type of office you like? like is it a, a working working model workshop type environment or is it like a highly virtual setup what's your preference right um okay i've never been inside but i've seen from the outside mm. but i didn't see much i didn't get to see much mm. but uh recently there's a youtube video about the interview with one of the staff and then they managed to show a bit of uh, what's going on inside and then the studio that I'm talking about is the Hathaway studio. Oh, Hathaway. Oh. Uh, yeah, um, that's the one that I quite admire because um, if you see from the interviews, um, they shown here and there about the spaces inside and then you can see clearly that the studio is full of curious, interesting objects and artifacts and it's everywhere in the office mm. it looks a bit like a museum or like a workshop or even an archive mm. and i think those things i personally find those kind of environments is uh, very visually stimulating mm. and inspiring mm. um, and i think it's very important to have such stimulants mm. to be readily available around us Due to the nature of our design industry, this I think it's a very visual kind of feel. Mm. And then we need to see with our eyes that is also how we kind of find the answer to our everyday design issues. And if you realize um, the nature of our job is it's a constant shift between eyes and mind, and then it's quite important to an office that is inspiring visually so that it could 
effectively giving you more motivation mm. and then also stimulate you to get on with your everyday process working in the office and then also I find by having those things those interesting objects and artifacts surrounding you it could potentially become a bit of like a catalyst and it could encourage interaction amongst your colleagues in the office so in that sense those objects it could encourage more conversation more um in that conversation, mm. I know or more mm. every day. think if you ask me mm. back to the question, the kind of office that I find very very interesting is the one that not just having a two D things, but a combination mm. um, with something that's a little bit more physical. Mm. The one that we could interact. Uh, visually or personally experienced like because in the the video I've seen there's quite a lot because they also design um, products mm. and furniture as well mm. so they have like those things um, curated um, amongst the workspace so I think it's actually quite nice to not have not to just have those objects to um, as a reminiscence of your of the thing that you're working on, but also something that would inspire you um, in your everyday working environment. I mean, I know, I know, like, uh, I know that you like making. You like hand, uh, physically make models, and you're you're very much into uh making mockups, making. But, but why is it you do you think that in Malaysia, I mean, a lot of offices have sort of uh, sort of disappeared uh, the the culture of making models? Not everyone is having those kind of preference in designing and I think every designer and each architect has their own personal way of designing. So mm, some people they would prefer sketching and then some people would prefer 3D modeling or mm. some people they would love to do a bit of researching before they uh, start the design project. So I think um, incorporating like more types of working la, in 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 yes, a in a I given think, environment, yeah. Yeah, and I think an ideal architecture office in Malaysia mm. is the one that should be able to cater to to these different needs and mm. enhance the capability of each designers. Mm. Because I think by doing that, by empowering the 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 designer with their own specific um, skill set and strength, it will eventually um, helping the office to grow as well. So mm. I think it's important as it is important to remember that one size never fits all. So mm. yeah. Um, yeah. in that spirit, I think we need to celebrate the different diversity of the individual and then mm. their own way of working in the office. Mm, basically a celebration of uh, different ways of working for for yeah. all kinds of people yeah that's true yeah. And yeah. I think back to your question about why is it not really being developed as one of the design tooling here mm. I think it's really comes down to the fact that not many people are aware about and then I think people are quite used to the conventional way of designing and then they're 
they're probably a bit, they don't want to take the risk of using a new methods of designing because mm. they don't know how, how it's going to work and then, mm. um, and then if you're dealing, if you're putting those things in the context of the professional environment, mm. if using the certain methods that doesn't really convincing in terms of the end products mm. or for certain methods that is you, because you know like when you are uh, 3D modeling, it's not you're not really focusing about the end product, so it's so much about, it's much more on the process, so yes. if you introduce that to an established office, they might feel a bit, I don't know. But I think I get your if, point, I think your point, yeah. yeah. Um, I was going to point out, so basically, which I, I think one of the issues is that we, we tend to think of model making, this is my opinion, we, t- we tend to think of model making as, as, um, as a final output which is polished. I think that's what we see most of the time and that's how we understand based on how we are trained juga in, in Malaysia, lah, one in, in schools. And. Macam for example, OME has found their way of using sketch models as the faster way than 3D. So it's really about uh, each and every uh, company culture developing their own uh, understanding of what medium is the fastest for them to develop uh, in model in in physical modeling. So, for I mean, OMA uses the blue foam, right? Because that's the fastest yeah. to them in terms of sketching, and it's not a final model. So, I think yeah. somehow we haven't developed that uh, understanding of how to take a simple material and use it as as a study quicker than the computer. It's just yeah, a think, yeah. It's a matter of maybe convincing the 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 architecture office itself that by model making it's, it gives the same amount of uh, exploration or design thoughts as much as uh, the drawings. You 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 deal with quite a bit of um, model making as well, right? So, mm. so I'm sure you know about the kind of not, I'm not going to say that it's a disadvantage because um, every process has, has, its own, has its own pros and cons. But the cons, the, 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 the points that's going to kind of put people off from model making, from physical model making, um, especially in the professional working environment, is probably because one, um, it's due to the fact that it's going to take longer time because mm-hmm. you're dealing with real things. And then, like, if you compare it um, with modeling in SketchUp or Rhino, for example, you're going to combine, like, two different surfaces or two different forms. I understand. You can do, you do it using, yeah. the, using the, the commands mm. or whatever tools available in the software. But if you're going to do it, Physically, it's going to take um, slightly longer. Mm. But in terms of the thinking or in terms of design thoughts that you're putting, I, I feel like the physical one is going to give you more advantage. Because mm. you're not just combining two different forms or two different objects, but you're also thinking, actively thinking about what is the 
the best way for money. So giving you a bit of idea about how this thing gonna be um demonstrated in the in the real life, in the in the real building that you are you are de- will be dealing with in the future. Mm. There's no such um magic kind of solution when you are trying to join like two physical things in in the in the real life. Uh, you, I understand. I you're understand. Gonna need, you're gonna need like a, a faster bell But or that. you're gonna need like a like a like a screw or mm, mm. then in the real life there's no such thing like a like a super glue. Yes. I mean there's like there's a there's a certain methods in mm. in running uh brick and mortar it's, it's a bit like a super glue but, but there's no such um, simple and uh, easy solution in the real life so mm. uh, those are the kind of things that I think you won't really going to be able to achieve if you're um, modeling in 3D 3D software understand, understand. So, it's so like uh, yeah understand. it's like uh, if you if you if you do develop your model in physical, it means that you are aware of the physical limitations of that form in real life, right? It's not as easy. It's not as easy as cutting two objects and then smashing it, and then you get one, yeah. one homogeneous object. Yes, yes. It brings it brings that object into reality. When I mean, you're you're designing it as it is in real life. Whatever methods that you're using, it has to closely resemble the techniques that you are implementing it in the real life mm, then only you will you be able to get the maximum or you or get the real advantage of uh, physical modeling it's like trying to emulate something before you scale it up into an actual building right? it's like getting uh, i heard like i think uh, peter zumthor said that uh or it's a quote by peter zumthor that the the model is not a representation. It is the building, which yeah, is which I, is. I totally um, agree with, with <laughs> that um, saying. Actually, yeah. But the only thing is, the the uncertainties is the kind of things that's going kind to of like put people off a bit from using this method in the architecture office because mm. because you know like when you're model making, like, mm. it's not always going to end up. That's what you imagine, and then um, and the kind of methods that you are trying mm. to use it doesn't necessarily work in the first attempt. Mm. So there's quite a lot of uh, trial and error as well. So I think some people they find it a bit, maybe a bit frustrating, or probably mm. Mm. probably they. You know, like when you have like a certain deadlines, yes, 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 and everything has to be. Um, ready in a in a in a given timeline. So mm. I think a bit risky if they incorporate it into into those process. Mm, understand so, that? Yeah, that's the shortcomings of the like doing the three D model lah. Like, yeah, in those yeah. situations, correct, correct. Like, um, in moving on from that aspect of working uh environment, which is um a more tangible aspect of working, model making, fabrication within the office. Uh, besides the physical environment, I, I know that you are very interested in like the idea of health and well-being in the office. And I think uh, 
we know that how we know how stressful the industry is in terms of working late nights and then having a lot of uh high intense uh high intensity projects uh at any given time so but we've we've never really actually discussed on the matters of uh mental well-being uh, within an office in terms of being an architect uh, i think i think we we had a discussion where uh, it would it would be nice in an office to have um a psychiatrist or not not even a psychiatrist but a counselor where you could actually you could actually talk about things to to uh people which uh which they keep private lah but it's a it's sort of a you know you can you can release the pressure off your your shoulder do you think how do you think about like going about in that direction yeah I think mental health is already quite a taboo kind of subject mm. even when you are discussing it in the you know, like the general environment mm. not just in architecture mm. but I think in architecture this thing become very much relevant because because of like um like what you said just now um the high pressure high amount of pressure that we are dealing with every day in the office so um it's totally a relevant um, issue that needs to be addressed openly in the in the working environment especially in in the architectural office mm. um, but unfortunately um, that's not what really happening just people kind of just regard those issues and then kind of treat it as a separate thing mm. but I think we need to kind of start to get away from those notions because I think those stigma it needs to be addressed um, quite immediately because I don't know I don't have the facts mm. but I think um, this is I mean, I'm just going to share the experience when I was uh, in in uni mm. in uni actually so when I was in uni um, I don't know if it's just the the rumours or if it's true but apparently, um, the architecture school is the ones that's kind of um, having a bit of reputation in the um, psychology department in the uni that I was with before. Mm. So um, it's actually quite a, a prevalent thing, not just in the working environment, but it's it's been happening since even before we entered the working environment. Yes. Uh, since since, since uh, studying uh, days, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the studying time, actually. So, uh, yeah. And then, when you enter the working environment, um, those things becomes a bit more, I don't know, because like when you're in, in uni, if you're having a, a, hard, a hardship or something, if you're having like a hard time, you can always go to the, there's quite a lot of support mm, uh, mm. that you can get from the uni, but when you are in office, the only support that you're going to get um, is from the from the superior in the office or from your colleague. Mm. But um, you have to remember that those are not the professional one. You see, it's not the kind of the professional support that you yes, get. Yes, yes. It's like and, uh, and, it's like colleagues, It's like yeah, uh, yeah, that, yeah whoever yeah. La, But it's not like yeah. an, a trained counselor. Yeah. Or, yes, correct. 
they're not the, the, the trained professionals. So mm-hmm. um, your suggestion about having the um, the counselor in the office, um, I quite agree that that's probably going to be useful, but I don't know if um, by placing them in the office is a is a kind of thing that people are are going for in mm. the office. Is it because of the space? Not sure. Uh, because of the limitation of the space, I, in my limited knowledge about the about uh, the kind of thing that's happening in other offices in, mm, mm. in the country or mm. in over the, in um, different part of the world, I haven't come across um, an office that has those kind of service readily available in office. Mm. Although it's quite nice, but I think. Um, or maybe we, we don't have to be scared. Like uh, if someone enters, mm, like, mm. It, it, I'm just like trying to imagine like, if you have like those kind of psychologists in the office. Like, yeah, someone goes and then uh, someone's like trying to get like some advice or something. Mm, mm, uh, mm. Some people might find it a bit a bit um, intimidating mm. to do it, or, or or probably it's okay to have it in the office, but maybe they need to find like the the right position that or the right location for that so mm. that it's not going to be like very openly that people to, like mm. the rest of the office just so that I, because I, what I'm trying to say is I think we need to have a bit of empathy mm. and mm. Uh, sympathy to the one who's um, experiencing it as well because um, mm. it's not it's not an easy thing to do to seek help when you are in that position mm. um um, it's a good thing to have a psychologist in the office, but mm. uh, there's quite a lot of uh, thoughts that needs to be considered before something that, you know, like you can just go mm. um, one off and then you just feel better after that. Because um, therapy takes time. Um, yeah, yeah mm. um, a, a repetitive kind of visit and then mm. something is going to go on for. I don't know, I've got a lot of sessions, like 10 sessions, and then mm. you don't feel better after that, you still have to go and uh, see them. So, mm. uh, yeah, I think it's a good it's a good thing to have it uh, because uh, they are the ones who have the knowledge and then they are the ones who, who are um, the, the professional mm. in, in that uh, environment. But um, I think since it's, it's a new thing, I think we probably need to put uh, a bit of research in terms of uh, the right way or... I mean, I, 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 was, I just thought of a suggestion of how to actually incorporate, not a, not a psychiatrist, lah, but I think uh, one of the ways is like uh, you dedicate someone in the office who is, uh, who is maybe a, a secretary, but she's also trained... Uh, not as a psychiatrist, but she, she has a sort of a training in that background. So she doubles as another, another role within the office. So, but, but, uh, but, uh, but the office lets, uh, everyone aware that she is the one to, to, if you need counsel, you go to her and she evaluates you on the first session. And then the office should have a policy that, if if that person is in need of like further therapy, she could assign this person to another therapy outside. So it's like uh yeah you, ha- you have a first person of contact within the office and then she talks or he talks to uh whoever the 
employee is. And then uh, she assesses you or he assesses you in terms of how how severe your your case is. And then if, if you need further therapy, she would recommend uh, you to someone else outside. So the, and then the company readily uh, supports that. I think it's just it's just incorporating. It's it's the same like uh, if 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 there's a doctor panel right, as a, a doctor panel for a, a company, it would be the same right. It's just a matter of acknowledging that this is also a type of a type of, a type of maybe treatment or a type of session that people need to go through. It's just about just acknowledging. I think that these things happen. Yes. Yeah acknowledging that these things happen and we there's a route for it for you to to seek uh, help or counsel elsewhere i think that makes a big difference and just you know the the management realizing that there's a place f- for you to seek these kind of things you, you, i mean they don't even need to put a like a a self help corner or anything in the office but it's just nice to maybe i mean if if the office do it and then if uh if the cost is covered by them i think I think it would be really, really. Uh, I think everyone should um, kind of welcome those things to be uh, made available in the office. Mm. Yes, you're gonna do the a therapy session outside. Um, mm. It's gonna cost quite a lot. Um, so yeah, we do it within the office, and then no, I understand. Yeah, I understand. You just you can cut the you can cut the cost down. Yeah, correct. I don't know how you're going to draw the line because this is the thing that I said about uh, give a bit more thoughts and consideration on the kind of service that they are um, offering because they cannot just simply advise people on understand you know like mental health is a, mm. it's a broad thing it's, uh, there's, there's a lot of uh, issues mm. uh, underneath it and then uh, some issues could be uh, rooting from uh, different causes yeah Reason, mm-hmm. so um, we don't want to kind of mix because I'm sure um, the one that you're suggesting um, will be mainly dealing with the kind of um, uh, mental hardship when dealing with uh, the work in the office, not the oh, the correct other issues outside. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, understand, understand. It's yeah. about it's about where where do we draw the line between. Yeah. A, a more severe type of, uh, I guess, counselling that you would need. Yeah, yeah understand? No, I think... It, it, it needs to be properly, properly researched before you can make it available in office. But yeah. um, mm. when you are um, discussing about uh, not having the real professional or the real kind of uh, clinical psychologist, mm. thing, um, there's one thing in mind. Um, because I was thinking, instead of having those kind of services, maybe what we can do is, I want to suggest by having, uh, instead of uh, a psychologist, maybe what we need to um, have available in the office is an art therapist. Mm. Because art therapist, uh, I mean, I only know a bit about uh, the art therapy session. I've never been... Uh, uh, I have never personally uh, joined one, so I don't have like a first-hand experience in art therapy. But uh, from what I've heard, art therapy is it works a bit differently because you are kind of 
dealing with the, the issues by and then you kind of treating it at the same time by coming out with um, a product and then the product is actually in the form of um, artworks. Oh. So, and then, you know, our environment is a, is a creative environment. So mm-hmm. it's a, and then it deals uh, with a visual kind of thing. Mm. So I think there's a bit of uh, similarities. Mm. Uh, mm. Not a bit of similarities. It's, there's a, there's a, like, a co- like a common ground, common ground. between mm. this thing. Uh, between architecture and uh, uh, using art therapy as a solution. So instead of introducing a psychology, so I was thinking maybe what we can do is um, not having it uh, available in the office all the time, but uh, yeah, certain, certain uh, sessions, a, session, la. yes, yes. A, a, a regular session, uh, those kind of sessions could be incorporated into the no, that's good, that's good. Uh, 2021 calendar as well. Mm. This, I think um it's and then also when you're when you're doing the those kind of session, the art therapy session, it's it's not gonna be it will be less intimidating to a lot of people because mm. it's it's not like a one to one therapy session where you go and sit. But this one is it's it's a bit more subtle because, because you come out with it's a product and then the process itself is the ones uh that's gonna, the process is gonna, the decompression, yeah. lah. Yeah. 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 What do people do in art therapy? I mean, what sessions do they do? Like, is it is it like paint? Like, you could one of the classes could be a painting session, or one of the classes could be something related to how do they how do they run these uh, art therapy sessions? Okay. The one the one that I was um, a friend of mine was kind of uh, involved in uh, the session and then. Mm. Uh, Based on her experience, mm. when you get to the to the session, um, the kind of products that they come up, um, it depends. It's very interesting because you can see uh, the products that every people come up with in the end is is very different, and then each of it is kind of representing the the different individual mm. speaking in the session. Mm. So. Um, because she also shown the the rest, like the the rest of the the artwork by the other participants, and then it's mm. actually quite nice to see that every people has you know, their own way of, of uh, dealing with things, and then you know also uh, more importantly, mm. behind each of the artwork, um, they will write down the notes mm-hmm. of the kind of impact of the section. On uh, the feelings uh, that they kind of experience before and after the session. So the painting is not just uh, a painting that's just going to work for that particular time of the uh, therapy session, but it's also um, it will become your reference in the future, mm-hmm. so that whenever you see the uh, the kind of artwork that you come up with. Is also reminded you about um, the kind of the emotional roller coaster that you are feeling during the process and after the process. So, uh, but those are the the one that I was um, that I was told. Mm. But, 
No, it's a good, yeah. it's a good suggestion actually. Which um, we've act, I'm, we, we, I mean, our plus has never thought of actually, like instead of instead of uh, calling in an expert, maybe there's a way for us to decompress, yeah. uh, using something else as a therapy, like uh, like yeah. an ex, like an external device. No, that's good. I think that could be incorporated yeah. into one of the programs. That's very nice. Yeah. I mean, it, and it makes and sense. Makes sense. You got for for architects in terms of doing yeah. creative things. Eh? Yeah. The one who's conducting the class, they're not just like a random people, like a random artsy people mm. uh, who can just, you know, uh, teach you to uh, paint or anything. Um, they are actually also a professional, and then they have uh, they they need to be certified in a second. So oh. uh, yeah, to teach art therapy. Yeah, to teach art therapy. Ah, then, I see. Uh, since since it's a new thing, it's probably available, but probably not being um, exposed exposed much to the society. That's probably the reasons why. And then, um, mm. but um, having said that, art therapy it cannot um, just uh, work on its own. So mm. It needs to be combined with uh, different methods in order for you to really experience. Ah, uh, uh, I see. Um, the impact. Uh, I think it's still quite a good suggestion to incorporate it into the architectural office environment because mm. it's probably a good uh, a starting point to have it introduced in the office because not everyone are having like everybody is having at a different uh, level of uh, pressure when they when yes. they work. So yes. I think I think this one hopefully the art therapy it's probably gonna it's, it's not gonna come out as a something that is very intimidating to a lot of people. So I think it's probably it's probably quite nice to have it instead of having like a real psychologist but, 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 uh, office and then assess you. Okay? It's not it's not as intimidating uh, and it's a uh, it's a bit you could say quite uh, accessible uh, platform yeah. uh, to to de stress and decompress. I think it's quite good. Before we uh, end this session, do you have any other uh, points you want to end on with regards to uh, how how the office environment should should go towards in the future with regards to the architecture profession? I mean, how do you wish? What is another aspect do you wish that we could improve on moving forward? That's a good question, mm. and then I think there's quite a lot of things that we can discuss. Uh, on ways to improve the architecture office. I think um, the one that I truly experience is mm. uh, is to have the environment to be a bit more flexible in terms of the... So I'm, I'm talking about the, the workstation. No, okay. The workstation, mm. it needs to be more flexible and then uh, more adaptive mm. to, the, uh, to the changes. Architecture is a it's a sequential and then it's a evolutionary process mm. and then it's not a, a sedentary kind of thing and then it's always evolving and then the ideas I mean even the ideas will go through so many different stages such as um, the schematic designs and then after that you're going to bring it to the slightly more detailed design and then after that you bring it to the construction there's quite a lot of um, evolutions that's happening around you when when you are when you when you are working in the architecture office, so mm. 
the workstations needs to kind of reflect and that it needs to kind of take into consideration on those uh, uh, on those reality. So mm-hmm. um, it needs to accommodate. Uh, it needs to accommodate uh, the rapid changing environments of the way we work, lah. Especially with with what's happening now in terms of home working, and then. Yeah, like the whole the whole idea of being like staying put in a place is quite obsolete right now. But in terms of an yeah, office it's, environment, it's quite obsolete. And also, um, I would like to uh, reiterate the points that we discussed before about the mental health because uh, mm, mm. apparently the fact that um, we are focusing too much on the on the screens. I'm not just talking about the computer screen. Because uh, if you realize every day. We are shifting from so many different a digital surface, which mm. is the computer screen. Then, mm. and then, if it's not the computer screen, then we will shift to the phone. Mm. And then, and then when we get home, and then we will turn on the TV. So it changed to the uh, mm. it shifted mm. to the TV screen. Mm. So uh, this thing is actually the kind of the habit that could lead again to the to the mental health issues because. Mm. Because why kind of putting your focus on the onto this kind of unreal screens is kind of deviate your uh, attention to the real and meaningful interaction with the with the human. Mm. So I think um, I mean we need to keep reminding ourselves. I mean, including me, because uh, it's actually uh, very very difficult to not uh, put your Focus all your attention to your phone sometimes because mm. uh, there's of of a of a culture to um, to sometimes you have like a like a virtual meetings in your, in your WhatsApp or something. Mm. So, um, but having said that, I think it needs to be um, it has to be balanced. Sometimes you just need to know like uh, the 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 amount of time that you need to focus. On the real or meaningful interaction with your colleague, um, because I think those are the ones that is. Um, I'm not saying that uh, putting your attention to your uh, computer screens is not important because it's, it's the work that you're dealing with, right? Because at the end of the day, you're working in the office, so you need to do your work. Um, but I think um, once in a while, I think we need to know, uh, or you need to put a stop. It's also the responsibility of the of the office itself to provide enough mm. spaces uh, in the form of breakout um, area or a discussion area or anything that is informal for mm. the architects or the designers to have a, a bit of a break from the from the attention to the to the screen or to the phone. Understand. It's just it's about real things. Yeah. It's about I guess making the working environment more. You you're creating a, a working environment which is uh, open to more chance encounters, more face to face engagement. I mean, of course, we're sitting on like on tables and then and then looking at uh, other types of screens. But and then I guess moving forward, the future office should accommodate more. Or should allow for more chance interactions between people. I mean, the way you arrange the tables. I mean, the way you set up a space where maybe 
it's it's a break from the long table and then just desktops to maybe uh, smaller islands of desktop working and then with uh with other types of discussion areas in between yeah. so it's it's like bro- yeah it's like a broken up island lah, instead of just one long row of desktop tables desktop desktop but then you have a discussion table at the end so i think it might be a matter of how to how to bring back uh human interaction in between devices i think that's a that's a good way to to put it lah. the workspace of the future it needs to be able to empower the individual in the office mm. uh, because everyone is uh, totally unique and like, every architect will have their own way of working so mm. uh, in my opinion i think it's very important for the workspace to be able to compare to this different unique individual because mm. uh, because at the end of the day this individual they are contributing to the, the office itself yeah basically uh it'll create a rich office culture lah, where each people's way of working is celebrated instead of because architecture anyway is also a very uh, individualistic uh, thing because it 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 differs from people to people because everyone comes from different backgrounds. So I think that's right. I, I guess working towards creating an environment where people would be able to mm, to to uh, accommodate their way of working within a larger environment of a team. Yeah, I think it's very important. Instead of everyone trying to fit into a particular way of working, right? Yeah. yeah. And then, like I said, one size never fits all. So I think, uh, yeah, we need to we need to really yeah. address this thing in a objective way. Yeah, that's good. That's a good way to end it. One one five one size doesn't fit all. <laughs> that's a good way to end it. Uh, thank you, Akmal, for for joining us for episode nine of our plus sessions. I think it's it's been quite interesting to basically uh pick your mind in terms of. And then it, it makes me question juga macam how we could propel the architecture office forward into the future. Because uh, because it differs from person to person what interests them with regards to what uh, what uh, a specific aspect of the office that, that they would like to see uh, change or evolve into the future. So it's quite interesting hearing from your end as well in terms of health and well-being, in terms of... Um, diversity in ways of working within the office environment and in terms of more interactions i think i think it, those are very valid aspects for us to discuss about and thank you thank you akmal for joining us thanks sir see you on wednesday see you wednesday <laughs> cheers thank you, Bye. Thank you.